When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No credentials. Reviewing Rolling Stone 500. Greatest album. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for joining us again here on the Sound Logic Podcast. Today we are discussing album number 58 on Rolling Stone Magazine's top greatest albums of all time list from 2020. This is Led Zeppelin referred to as Led Zeppelin 4 by Led Zeppelin. Hey, hey, mama said the way you move gonna make you sweat, gonna make you groove. Oh, boy, we're going to have some conversation later on about what to actually call this thing, because that is a challenge. <laughs> There's this uh, intentional lack of name on this album, and, uh, and so yeah. you saw Mike just uh, kind of stumble a little bit there as we... Get going. Well, here. I have to call it. I have to call it what it is, which is Led Zeppelin. We're clearly um, we haven't even begun. We're already <laughs> lost. So it means that we we did a good thing in having a guest join us. Um, I'm excited tonight to be having Grady Iliff here with us. Uh, Grady is someone who I met through our local disc golf community. Um, we both have a, a deep love and passion for playing disc golf and uh, and to. I've enjoyed many, many holes, uh, both in uh, our, our local courses and also in some made-up uh, target disc golf uh, shenanigans that happen every once in a while as well. Um, mm-hmm. Grady's uh, a grad student at Penn State here in town, and uh, I don't even remember how the podcast came up, Grady, but I mentioned this journey that Mike and I had been on, and, and I think even in that early first initial conversation, uh, Zeppelin came up and sort of hinted at the fact that, uh, you know, you had some passion for that band. And I kind of made a mental note of like, okay, if we, if we get to an next Zeppelin album, maybe Grady would be a guest to have with us. So, Hey, that's a bit long winded, but, um, but thanks for being here. And we're really glad to have you with us here as we, as we tackle this one. Yeah. Happy to be here. Um, you know, I, I think it was as simple as like, you know, Hey Ben, you're gonna make it out to play some disc golf, and you're like, "Nope, got a podcast." <laughs> that's probably how it started. That's probably um, how it started. Yep. But you know, I I also actually remember how Led Zeppelin came up. It's because after checking out the podcast, um, I was like, "Well, I I don't even know what the Rolling Stones chart says," so yep. I scanned through it out of curiosity, and I think it was like the first Led Zeppelin album was like 19 at the time right and I was like this is a crime against humanity (laughs) (laughs) that's so low (laughs) even if it's even amongst uh, the Led Zeppelin albums maybe it's arguably not even the best right maybe it is Led Zeppelin 4 but yeah that was I think where we started discussing um, yeah Led Zeppelin I don't even know if it was that high do you remember Mike when that 2012 list where Zeppelin 1 fell. I think it was like 
number 29. 29, okay. 29. So you're 29, off by 10. 19. Okay. But yeah, I think it was in that sort of vein of like, how, how did they have the nerve to put the first Zeppelin album that low? And what were they mm-hmm. thinking in having Zeppelin 1 be that choice? So, you know, you could tell, um, uh, you know, even on the disc golf course that there was enough just in that like one element of this conversation that we could probably spend <laughs> quite a little bit of time talking about that one thing. So uh, I'm sure that this will take us to some other spaces tonight. Um, yeah, thanks so much for joining us, Grady. Uh, I don't know. I didn't really say too much about who you are. How are you introducing yourself these days if someone asked you? Well, I mean, grad student is a, a fairly all-encompassing description. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely the majority of my time right now. Just in school, um, I'm in mechanical engineering. I do a lot of research in the lab. That's the long and short of it. Fun fact, I think one of the projects I worked on during my undergrad is uh, finally been written into a paper, which is being submitted for publication this week. So fingers crossed. Oh, wow. That'll be cool. I'm a co-first author, so that'll be, that'll be fun. It's not too often you get to publish something as an undergrad and then benefit from it as a grad yeah. student. <laughs> exactly. I, I did all the work and then graduated, handed it off to the grad students, said, see you in four years. And here we are. Awesome. Well, I'm glad our paths crossed and I think we've got something uh, that all three of us are going to enjoy here. Although, we should say this up front. Um, None of us were born. Uh, Grady's younger than Mike and I, and none of us were born when this album came out that we're talking about here tonight. So um, for those of you who were around in the 70s and uh, got to appreciate this music as it was just breaking through, uh, I'm sure we'll say something a little off base. I'm I'm almost certain that we will. But uh, hopefully you'll see the passion in our voices uh, that we we all will bring to this, this album tonight. You know, Ben, it's interesting you bring that up. I was thinking about that earlier this evening as I was even just mentally preparing uh, for our recording tonight. And uh, sometimes I've felt maybe kind of some sadness or regret that we can't always get someone uh, on as a guest who was around. We have a few times had some people for these albums from the 1670s who were around when it came out, have memories of when it came out. Uh, But a lot of times it's people our age who were born long after it came out. And I guess that's appropriate too, because that's our, that's our peer group and a reference point uh, for a lot of people who listen to this music. And there are many people younger than us, much, much younger than us who still love this music. So um, I guess that's fine, but uh, it, it is, it's always something special when you have someone who remembers when it came out, but we can just, uh, we can talk about how, how it came into our lives. I'll do that. I'll do a quick rundown of some of the details on this album. Details, 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 details. Uh, Led Zeppelin self-titled album referred to as Zeppelin four. <laughs> we'll get to that again. Uh, released November 8th, 1971, their fourth studio album, obviously, uh, most songs, they're all songs written by Page and Plant, some with Jones and or Bonham uh, joining in. The only exception is When the Levee Breaks, which was adapted from, uh, or it's kind of a riff on on song by Kansas Joe McCoy and Memphis Minnie from 1929. Um, uh, other than that, they're all originals. Um, kind of hearkening back to their first album, which uh, included several blues covers. Uh, before they started doing only originals. Uh, This charted number two in the U.S., number one in the U.K. and Canada, uh, charted top ten in more than a dozen countries, 
uh, sales uh, to date certified 24 times platinum in the U.S., so that's 24 million copies in the USA alone, more than 37 million copies worldwide. One of the most successful albums we've talked about on this uh, podcast, for sure. If not, maybe the most successful uh, on the list so far. Thriller might be close and um, rumors. Um, when you when you look at the Wikipedia list of the greatest selling albums of all time, um, you mentioned a few of them, Mike. Uh, Thriller is number one, and uh, we have talked about that one before. But there's an album up there ahead of this one that... Uh, is a favorite of yours that I'm surprised you're forgetting. Dark Side of the Moon has uh, apparently outsold this as well, and uh, and the, afore- okay. the aforementioned uh, Fleetwood Mac Rumors album. But there's another one, uh, Eagles Hotel California. We've uh, mm. we've talked about that. So there's there's four ahead of it, but this is the eighth best selling album of all time, uh, best selling studio album, I should say. There's a few on that mm-hmm. list like the Sound of Music soundtrack and the Eagles' greatest mm-hmm. hits and some other things that are not uh, Saturday Night Fever, maybe, that are not uh, technically studio albums. but uh, Studio albums, yeah. Yeah, number eight, not too bad. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. What led to this album being recorded, uh, the critical reception to their previous album, Zeppelin Three, was kind of lukewarm. And uh, there was a sentiment that the band was selling records just on their name recognition because they had become very popular very fast from their debut in uh, the first album in 69 to this in a short period of time, just two years. Um, And because of that, they decided not, this is where you you mentioned this, Ben, they decided not to put, to have a title for the album or have the band's name or uh, any title on the cover. It's just a picture. And then on the, uh, on the label of the disc itself was those four symbols that any of us Zeppelin fans are probably very familiar with Four symbols, uh, that represent, uh, each of the four members of the band. I've got the four symbols on my hoodie that I'm wearing right now. <laughs> so it's, uh, Zozo, which I believe is a symbol for, uh, Jimmy page. Yes. There's like a circle with a little Celtic knot, and I believe that is see now I'm gonna might get it wrong. Uh that's either plant or uh, John Paul Jones, I don't remember. I think circle it's with Jones. A feather in it. That might be Jones, yeah. The the three circles I think is definitely bottom. Yeah. And then the circle with the feather in it. I think that's plant. That, that must be plant, yeah. That I think sense. that's plant, yeah. Yeah. Those are self portraits, right? <laughs> yeah, I think they were they, every member of the band uh, at least self-selected them yes. from some sort of like um, book of symbols or something like that. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. Okay, that's um, kind of cool. But yeah, they're they're kind of like signatures, you know, a more cryptic version. And uh, so, for anyone who hasn't seen those symbols before, you can. If, I think if you type in Zozo, Z O S O, you'll probably be taken to the right place. That's right, and that's often a name yeah. given to this album, Zozo, right? Even though that's just one of the symbols, yeah. Um, yeah. fans will often refer to it as. It's the only uh, one that remotely resembles letters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like you know, if you said, "Oh, it's the feather in a circle," right. album, it doesn't, doesn't <laughs> roll off, off the, the tongue, tongue very well. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, they, you're right. They were all selected uh, except for a plant symbol, which was the feather in the circle. That was his own design. Um, and then uh, there is a fifth symbol, and I don't, uh, it's on the inner sleeve. 
Um, mm. It's three triangles pointing down, and that's Sandy Denny's symbol. And she she appears uh, vocalist on the Battle for mm. Evermore. Um, so she got her own symbol as well. Oh, cool. <laughs> but not that's not on the disc uh, label. Um, last little historical note here, and then we can kind of move on a little bit. Um, the release date was delayed three times. Uh, once because of the, the, the mix they didn't like. And then uh, once due to disagreements about the cover art, I don't know if we've heard that before. <laughs> we've heard that we've heard the stories like the label decides that they want to change things, but yeah. uh, not usually delay. And then, um, then once because they couldn't decide if the music from the session, so all the songs they did, meaning more than just these eight, should be released as a double um, or a set of EPs, like two individual EPs or a single album. So they. Uh, <laughs> a lot of conflict um, onto the release, and then it finally came out. I guess one fun fact uh, yes. I, that I sort of remember, I believe it was produced by Andy Johns, and, oh no, I'm forgetting the name of his brother, but his brother um, produced the first of the Led Zeppelin album, and then Andy did like the, the next three. Oh, interesting. And maybe more than that. But kind of interesting that... Um, Slight shift in production, but both the producers for all four albums were brothers. <laughs> kind of interesting. That's pretty cool. Somewhat uh, similar to other bands that we've talked about. Uh, most of this album was recorded at a country estate, um, kind of in the middle of nowhere, that had you know wild acoustics and a lot of space for the band to spread out and experiment and and tinker with things. Um, I don't know why that that's such an interesting or romantic idea in my head, but just like devoting enough time to something that you just kind of remove yourself from the world and, and, uh, and just like oh, yeah. record leisurely, I guess, uh, or, or create craft leisurely. I guess it's a, you know, it's a privilege to have that kind of space. So many, especially albums early in band's career, are like done where they can find time and, or hurriedly done in the studio. And, um, you know, mm-hmm. this symbolizes that they have enough, uh, credibility and success at this point to like remove themselves from the world and go off and, and record their fourth album. Yeah. Yeah. We've seen that a few times, you know, some, some estate or some historic place where they kind of take up residence for a few months or whatever. I don't have a whole lot of info on the cover itself. Um, I think I remember hearing it was literally, they took a picture of a painting on the wall. I don't remember if it was at Headley Grange. Okay. Um, or somewhere else. Um, I don't, that part I don't know, but I think they literally just took a picture of a painting and I, the back cover, I, that, I'm not sure where that is. Um, it's an yeah. interesting uh, juxtaposition with kind of the painting and the wall and then uh, kind of uh, more urban or suburban landscape there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, it certainly does look like just a, a photo of a painting on a crummy uh, wall, peeling wallpaper <laughs> wall. wall. Uh, yeah. Which is, which is interesting. Uh, and the painting is, is an old man kind of hunched over uh, on a cane with a huge bundle of sticks uh, mm-hmm. on his back. Um, <laughs> Maybe that's where they got the idea for the name four sticks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah a few more than four. I think there's more than four, but for me, very recognizable. Like I recognize the cover, even though I I struggle with the connection with the music. Mm-hmm. Um, 
except for that it may may have been in Headley Grange, which obviously is is a real connection. But uh, yeah, that one we'd have to double check. It, it was apparently um, found in an antique store by Robert Plant. So um, he he was struck by it, uh, and the band really liked this idea of like uh, destruction of the old to make way for the new. That the skyscrapers on the back cover. You know, as you mentioned, right. like contrast with the the front there. You know, this peeling paint, this old man. The paintings in mm-hmm. rough shape, right? The frames chipped and things like that. Um, you know, actually, yeah. I don't think it would be a stretch to say that it could be very intentional, right? Because yeah. even um, the works of J.R.R. Tolkien, which is heavily referenced in this album, for those that's Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit uh, and so on, very much. Um, some of the themes of those books have to do with like the kind of wanton destruction mm-hmm. of the natural world for mm-hmm. making war and um, sort of rampant industrialism that Tolkien was not a fan yep. of. And so right. I think that's just almost like a direct, potentially, yeah. right, a direct reference to the sort of this peeling wall paint and like maybe this sort of industrial housing it looks like yeah. kind of apartment buildings with the front foreground of you know more like a nature yep. right there's like bushes and trees and grass yeah if the pundits were correct like if the you know people did the, the pundits at least didn't seem to like the third album uh very much or at least not as much as the first two and you know this sort of f you to the man of not putting their name or an album title on the front and picking this kind of like obscure painting and peeling wallpaper really was a statement to say like we're going to create something so good that it doesn't really matter what's on the front cover um and buried in there is also some imagery so it's kind of this mixture of like you know it could have been like the white album of just like nothing or it could have been uh you know something like this that doesn't necessarily make you think of zeppelin but i think there's some intentionality in that kind of nuance or mixture especially because of the way that they were being perceived at the time um it's so funny you're right mike it is iconic in in many ways now um but not because it's like it screams zeppelin in the way that like the first cover with the the, you know the actual blimp on it makes you think oh that's zeppelin this is like uh, it's kind of folk art and uh yes the 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 inside yeah of the of the gatefold uh, which is again a, it's a, a full length picture drawing but it's sideways you have to turn your head um, that's much more to me that fits more it's more fantastical yeah. it's a, a cloaked uh, bearded figure uh, standing on top of a of a mountain with a lantern looking down at a I don't know maybe a small village down there and it, it's it's kind of ominous and it's fantastical much like uh many of the the songs yeah on the, it it does remind me of a uh, very, it's very tolkien-esque uh if that's mm-hmm. even a word um and i i think it would have been interesting if that had been the cover so abstract because it's sideways and it's a little <laughs> different but it but it reminds me of much of the great um uh artwork uh tolkien artwork that was coming out in the in the 60s and 70s um which was used as inspiration for you know different the animated movie and then uh, of course when peter jackson did his he, he pulled on a lot of that artwork yeah. uh from the 70s uh, that people were doing kind of a resurgence <laughs> of of um 
Tolkien's uh, Lord of the Rings becoming very popular again, and of course, so much that one of the greatest rock bands in the world are <laughs> using <laughs> using it in the lyrics. Uh, this reminds me very much of that on the inside. Apparently, they drew it from uh, tarot cards. It's uh, okay, the, yeah. the, the hermit uh, um, uh, or a seeker, someone trying to find the light. So it, yeah, it does have a. I agree, it does have a very Tolkien esque feel, um, but it's also got some mysticism mixed in there as well apparently uh i'm not very familiar with tarot cards but perhaps if you're a tarot user you would look at that immediately and and see that as one of the the cards i can't remember when tommy came out but if if that if it's the seeker are they digging at uh, the who <laughs> oh boy. i'm gonna start something maybe that here. came out after this no, so, uh, I'm, I'm going off on another rabbit trail better stop <laughs> that's the album that's the artwork um, so I want to, I really want to hear, uh, when you guys, when this music came into your life and I want to start with our guest Grady, uh, do you remember the first time you heard it or did it come as songs on the radio and then you got the album, you know, kind of walk us through how this, how this kind of came something beloved to you. I know both of your, uh, disdain for compilation albums, but <laughs> that is, that is, uh, my introduction to Led Zeppelin. So, um, my mom was a huge fan and, uh, I basically grew up listening to my parents' CD collection, like on my Walkman, right? This was before iPods. Like I'm young, but I'm <laughs> just old enough to like, right in the middle <laughs> to like, see the first iPod and all that. So right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think we were just, you know, at the supermarket or whatever. And, um, I think my mom actually noticed that early days and latter days, uh, compilation albums, which are, uh, Led Zeppelin. And I think she was like, couldn't believe that. Like, I think she asked me like if I knew what Led Zeppelin was, so I'm probably 10 years old around this time. And, uh, I told her like not really no because they didn't have any albums. Like I, I accused her. I'm not having any Led <laughs> She couldn't believe it, so she just bought me those two right on the spot. That's um, cool. So I listened to them on repeat for years, like literally. Huh. Um, I mean, along with other albums, of course. But I mean, that's how Walkman works. Like for anyone who's <laughs> yeah. not familiar, like you know, it's pretty much you just hit play and it just goes. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the last five, this would be in early days, which is the first four. It's a compilation of the first four albums. Right. Um, the last five songs on that first disc are Black Dog, Rock and Roll, Battle of Evermore, When the Levee Breaks, and Stairway. Right. So wow. really, I mean, wow. just switch, switch wow. Levee and Stairway, and that's the front side of the song. <laughs> So yep. the entire front side of the album made the best of. Wow. It's a hint that it's a, <laughs> a pretty ridiculous album. Yeah. Um, in fact, I'm, I might pick your brains in a little bit about like best front side of a record. Oh. Ever, maybe. Oh. Ooh, <laughs> if, if there was a slightly modified uh, <laughs> Rolling Stones list, <laughs> would this be number one? But anyways, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, that was, at least for the songs on this album, um, that's where I was exposed to it. Of course, a, a lot of the songs were immediately resonant, just incredible, even as a young kid. And I was also a massive uh, Tolkien nerd growing up. Like, I think I read Lord of the Rings in like third grade. 
like my teacher was like saw me walking around with this tome <laughs> which no kid no kid yeah. should be walking around with a book with over a thousand pages and she's like what are you doing and i just told her it's amazing like i read the hobbit and i had to, i had to read the sequel even if it was like 10 times longer <laughs> yeah so, and a bit more advanced too um, right uh, it's a bit of a shift a bit trickier of, uh, yeah. yeah a little bit yeah a little more tough i think upon successive rereadings it definitely kind of hit harder you know uh-huh. um <laughs> But yeah, I mean, for that reason, like, uh, Battle of Evermore, like, especially, was I'm like, wow, these guys know Lord <laughs> of the Rings too? Like, not, maybe not putting it together as an 11-year-old, like, you know, it's for, for them, like, Tolkien was maybe slightly more contemporary. Right. Um, maybe only 20 years before they were writing this uh, music. So, yeah, like, I remember Battle of Evermore was definitely one of my favorites, um, despite not being one of the more rock and rolly songs um i really love that song uh for it's purely for the lord of the rings references right and then yeah. obviously <laughs> it's a freaking good song regardless i got to admit that i've got a similar kind of journey grady i mean as much as i knock compilation albums uh for me it started actually with a mix cd which i don't know that people even make those anymore but i <laughs> i i knew that our friend phil burkholder who uh, helped us out on our Joshua Tree review. Had a couple of their albums. I wasn't really sure where to start, where which album to get first. And he said, oh, "I'll make you a mix." And he burned it. And, you know, even took the time to write the tracks on the uh, the blank liner note, so I knew what I was getting myself into. And uh, I really, really liked it. And I, I think next step for me, rather than going and buying an album, was um, getting the. I forget what it's called now, but there's a there's a live album that came out when we were in high school, like a two or three disc set. I might know. is that like um, how the how West the, was how won? the West was won? How the West was won? I remember when yeah, that. thank yeah. you. Yeah, my yeah. uh, uh, live triple album. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, it, I think it also had a DVD component or compilation. I don't know that I ever had that, but, uh, you know, it was a lot of Zeppelin suddenly, like, drinking from a fire hose to go from not really knowing <laughs> to, uh, to uh, you know, a three-disc uh, live album. Um, and then somehow, some way, I found myself to this album. So this would this would have been, like, kind of third in the progression of, uh, I guess, the first sort of dive into their actual studio recordings was, was this one. And I think that was mostly because of Stairway to Heaven. Um, you know, an aspiring guitar player figuring out that that's something you could kind of tinker with as a, a new guitar player probably was what led me to this one initially and and the popularity of that song even still today uh, what about for you mike i wasn't really a zeppelin fan for many years listening to classic rock radio i was familiar with a lot of the songs and for whatever reason and i'm not sure why because i love it now for some reason, I just couldn't get into it or just couldn't see why people were so nuts over it. Um, and it wasn't until, I guess, in my mid to late 20s, my brother-in-law, my wife's brother, who was really into Zeppelin, and he's the kind of guy who just, uh, when he gets into something, he'll get it all. So he got, like, all the albums, the box sets, posters, DVDs, everything. So he had all the albums. And I, he kept pushing on me to listen to it and started buying me discs for for birthday and christmas so i actually i think i don't have all their albums but 
at least half of the ones I have are from him as gifts. Huh. So um, I think I remember picking him up and driving him somewhere, and he had, I think it was Zeppelin 3. I was like, here, just throw this on, let's listen. And then I think that was one of my first times listening to an album. But later on, I got Zeppelin 4. Uh, I think I went out and bought it. And because I realized that it was something I just had to have in my collection. I don't know if you've ever bought something because it's just like, I can't really call myself a music fan or a rock fan or a Zeppelin fan <laughs> if I don't have this albums. And I think that's why I bought it. Like I have to have that, you know, stairway to heaven and black dog and rock and roll. Like you have to have those in your collection. Um, mm -hmm. they're, they're classics, they're legendary songs. So, um, since that time and him kind of encouraging me to really get into them, uh, I'm a huge fan and, and I, I'm learning. I'm actually trying to read a, a, a biography on them right now. I'm not much of a reader, but um, I'm trying to read through and I'm really enjoying learning about them more. Uh, and I love the music. And as I've kind of matured in my and if you listen to the podcast, you know, I'm into I'm into jazz. I'm into other things, too. I, I I love learning and hearing the complex musicality of these four guys um, and what not only were they innovators and were they popular and attractive and all these things, their musical ability uh, is just through the roof. Um, it's just crazy. So um, that's me. I, I want to say one, uh, one th introduction that I had to some of this music um, and to some of our Canadian fans might uh, pick up on a little obscure Canadiana. Uh, before I was really aware of anything of Led Zeppelin or this album, maybe Stairway to Heaven, because I think they played that as the last song of our grade eight graduation dance, because that's what you do. That's the last song at a dance, right? But um, in the late 90s, and you might be a little young for this, Grady, there was about maybe six months where swing music was really popular. <laughs> <laughs> and, okay. and uh, there was uh, a band in Canada called the Johnny Favorite Swing Orchestra. And I got their album because I bought everything that was swing in like 98. <laughs> and they did a cover of Black Dog uh, on the album. Um, and I remember listening to uh, Black Dog on that album, a swing version, which was really fun. And I was like, this is a cool song. And I was reading in the liner notes. And I, I love reading the liner notes. And I saw that the authors were not... It was an original, and then I think I somehow knew the names, Page and Plant, where I had seen posters because they were doing their tour in the 90s, Page and Plant. So I was like, oh, this is a rock song? And it was later on that I learned that that, that was a cover. So it's interesting when we talked about being younger and not being around when the music comes out, sometimes you come back to it in a weird path. So me coming to Black Dog and Zeppelin IV through an obscure Canadian swing band is is really strange. But uh, that, I think, yeah. might be one of my first introductions to music from this album, as, as weird as that is. But that's, how I guess, how music permeates. So that was just kind of a funny little thing. I wonder how many of our listeners have even heard of the Johnny Favorite Swing Orchestra. But yeah. anyways, that's, uh, <laughs> that, that's kind of this, one of the uh, first memories I have. Does Stairway still end high school dances? Man, that really like gave me a sudden flashback. Like uh, I don't understand. No, it's I not a great dancing song either. 
I, I, why, I, I and think why for that, us in the nineties? Like, why? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really weird. I think that was the the end of it at our grade eight graduation. This is nineteen ninety six. We had a much music video dance where they they bring in a big screen and lights and they they play the music, but they also have music videos and. That was the last one, and I think that was very popular through the yeah. 80s, 70s, and 80s. Uh, they sing about it in uh, Bare Naked Ladies song from '91, uh, um, the Grade Nine song. <laughs> Leaving the dance early and missing Stairway to Heaven, uh, but I, I think it, I think it ended. Yeah, I don't think that happens anymore. <laughs> I don't know when that so ended. Bizarre. It even seemed, yeah. it's, I mean, it's an eight-minute song, right? So I even remember um, dancing with two different uh, two different partners in that song because I think halfway <laughs> through one was like, uh, that's because, you know, a, a girl asked me to dance, so I danced, and halfway through she was like, okay. <laughs> and then someone else said, oh, you want to dance now? So I danced with two. It's a really long song. Four minutes each. So, yeah, and I, I think people were, were kind of losing interest um, halfway through. Uh, anyways, well, yeah, that's that's probably a, something that... Uh, I'm also reminded of, like, when you mentioned, you know, wanting to hear someone's perspective from when it dropped, because mm-hmm. when you mentioned that, like, Zeppelin three had a poor reception i'm like that's so heartbreaking because i also <laughs> love that album yeah um, me too. that was actually the first studio yeah. album that i had acquired um because my my neighbor josh arter shout out um he was also a huge zeppelin fan he's like a year older than me i think we rode the bus together um okay so naturally in the bus he let me um or he would just like loan me his albums basically and this is i think creeping into like the ipod era so i was able to you know burn the cd and then return it back to him and just right. grow my collection um and i think he um he gave me zeppelin three and i think one of their live albums not not how the west was one i think it was a different one but um yeah i he hooked me up with a couple zeppelin albums and zeppelin three is one of them and i just listen. again when you listen to something on repeat like you just almost have to like it at a certain point yeah but i think it's great so i would like to okay rewind talk to somebody in person in like i don't know 70 1970 like was zeppelin 3 actually that bad really like <laughs> it's actually a great album in the grand scheme of things like let's be honest the best part of zeppelin 3 is the way that the um album begins with the like the guitars being plugged into the amp and you can hear like in stereo kind of like ka-choom, 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 as the yeah. audio kind of builds <laughs> i like that but yeah you're right like you're right that. grady i think um i mean i i look back at these four albums one through four and just think like what an incredible pile of music that was and such a gift to those fans i don't know if it's just the sort of, uh, I don't know, wealth of good music that was being created in that moment that, that you could say Zeppelin 3 is not as good, or if, if people wanted them to go right. back to their earlier days of really borrowing uh, a little bit heavier on blues, um, I, I don't know. It's It, it would have been good to have a, were, a person from that they era. May have had a, <laughs> yeah, they may have had a slight point in that it might have been a little too early in their career to start experimenting Maybe. with more like acoustic, moving away away from rock yeah. a little bit more yeah. which was obviously still like 
super hot at the time, right? So right. might have been a little ambitious. And I think less than before, they definitely brought back the heavy stuff like in spades. Yep. But I think clearly you can see it. They kept a lot of the folk acoustic stuff. I mean, there's, um, I mean, Battle of Emor just Bonham's not even in it. I mean, there's no drums. Well, I, right? I think that struck me a lot. I, I don't listen to this album very frequently. It's one that I have on CD. And I think I mentioned on our an earlier show that this was the only album my wife and I both owned when we got married. We realized we had two copies <laughs> of the, only this one album. Um, but uh, when I listened to it this time, I was struck by those three songs that are a little bit more acoustic driven. Um, you know, mm-hmm. Stairway builds at the end and and you do get a bit of, of drums sure. in yeah. there. But really, there's three tracks that are fairly folk driven i guess I, I would say not not that sort of like when i press play and black dog comes on i'm almost like this is what rock and roll should be like it's just so explosive and mm-hmm. um, and so epic and then you get to these moving these tracks that move a little slower are a bit more instrumental and are not as hard hitting and i um i don't always think about that when i think about this album but that it also contains that that scope of music yeah i think you could understand this album as like almost a synthesis of Led Zeppelin one and two and three. Yep. So like one and two kind of lumped together. They're also released like what really Really close close together I think. Yeah. So you can almost understand that as like the first phase. Led Zeppelin three is a little bit of a tangent and then four is like taking kind of the best of both worlds. Mm -hmm. That kind of uh, innovative rock sound and a little more traditional acoustic sound and being like all right let's make some absolute killer tracks yeah it's really just like three years right like early 69 yeah. late 69 1970 and then 71 for these four albums and and like what a pivotal moment in music too right like 1969 is often pointed to as this like pivotal year not just in rock but in a lot of different things um you know it's not that far removed from like the Beatles, I want to hold your hand, being like really cutting edge, edgy music, right? <laughs> Suddenly, like, yeah. like Black Dog, you know, uh, not even a decade later, uh, just just totally transforming what what rock music can be, um, with a lot of stuff in between too. Yeah, I'm amazed by. I want to come back just for a second, Ben, on on those those softer songs, that, almost that folk rock sound. Yeah. Um, it's amazing to me as I listen to those how well they work because I never, even as I listened to it recently, I never really think these songs don't fit. Yes, they're very different, yeah, and they have a different feel, but but they they still really work. Like the Battle of Evermore, you know, it's still it's got movement, it's got momentum, it pushes, um, and going to California as well. But they're these softer acoustic tunes. That mm-hmm. somehow, and I, I can't really explain it, they fit so well on this hard rock album with hard-hitting songs like Black Dog and Rock and Roll and When the Levee Breaks um, and Stairway to Heaven. We could do a whole podcast probably on Stairway to Heaven mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, or at least a whole episode, rather. Um, is it one of the best rock songs ever written, guys? I think because of the high school dance effect... <laughs> and how frequently I've heard it. I actually 
will often skip that track. It's not one of my favorite really? tracks. Oh, um, it is a great song, but it's not the songs Oof. that I'm drawn to. And Grady, you said best side one. I think I actually like side two of this record better than side one. Oh, wow. <laughs> side one. Mm. So uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's a great, great song, but I'm maybe because of super saturations. It's, it's actually really funny you say that because I have a similar experience with that song oh. where I think I almost burnt it out uh-huh. on myself uh, like, yeah. just listening okay. it so many even times even just trying to get that it's guitar riff like trying to think sure. you know mm-hmm. figure out that uh, I think probably you're right self-induced <laughs> yeah it's a, it's a little bit of self-induced burnout, <laughs> burnout um, yeah. on that particular song because um, I mean I still obviously if it's on the background I'll let it play because, sure, sure. <laughs> uh, but it is one of those songs where I, I do almost want to like actively listen to it. Mm-hmm. I want to, so it's a, it's a great driving song for that reason. It, it's fun to sing along to, you know, um, it's one of those songs I, I, um, now because, because I have listened to it so many times, successive, uh, listens, I want to like pay attention more, <laughs> mm-hmm. like not just, you know, I don't want to consume it like a, like a fast food, uh-huh. right. It's, it's a gourmet dessert. Oh, it's a whole like, meal. Yeah, <laughs> if you if you start just eating it every day, you're going to get sick of it. It's a little yeah. it strikes me as a little bit like Bohemian Rhapsody. Like the song has become bigger than pop culture in many ways and because each part is so familiar and it goes on forever and everyone sings along and knows all the words that you almost become numb to it if you don't slow down enough to recognize that it is still <laughs> really great there. The way that it crescendos, the way that it builds on itself, mm-hmm. the way that the band comes in at different times. Um, but but yeah, you can overlook that very quickly because of how frequently we've heard it. I think I still sometimes am under its spell and how it it changes so much from beginning to end. Mm. It, it is so diverse in... The tempo, the volume, the the build has got in, in my mind one of the best builds uh, of any song. Um, it's just yes, I think it is overplayed. Um, I agree, and I think that hurts it a bit from time to time. And yes, it is very long, uh, but um, I have a a memory um, when my youngest was younger. We would listen to music in the in the car, and they did not enjoy anything that was slow so if there was a a song came on that was slower pace uh they'd say change it you know change the station (laughs) and stairway to heaven came on and i said this is this is great and asher said change it um too slow and i said no 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 you gotta wait (laughs) trust me it gets better and you know two minutes in they're going this is too slow. This isn't rock and roll. I don't. I don't like things that aren't rock and roll. And finally, we get to the build, and you know the drums come in and the guitar solo, and kind of this this sur- sur- shock. Oh wow! I did not expect that. <laughs> like I yeah. did not yeah. know that was going to happen. And it was cool to me to see kind of that uh, reaction for the first time. That uh, this is what rock and roll can be that it doesn't have to be because in in their mind you know hard hitting start to finish like just loud uh uh, strong male vocal guitars drums um here we go but that no we have this this full feast of of music of of 
all the different aspects of music and rock in this one song. Anyways, I don't need to spend a whole <laughs> yeah. half hour, but I thought we should spend a little time on just that song. Yeah, uh, one one more quick, I think, funny story is, um, so actually, I, I distinctly remember when I was in that phase of first listening to those two compilation albums, I remember asking my parents the question, have you heard Stairway to Heaven? <laughs> right? <laughs> and they were both like, yeah, like, yeah. no duh. <laughs> you couldn't escape it during their teenage years. It was on the, you know, That's probably on the radio hilarious. like every 10 minutes. Because, yeah, as a 10-year-old, I had no context, right? I didn't realize. I had only heard it on that one album. Right. And I figured, eh, you know, I like it, but maybe other people don't like it. Right. Don't <laughs> so, yeah, I just, I, it's like one of those moments where you discover, like, an epic song, and everyone around you is like... Yeah, we know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We know yeah. it's really good. But you're yeah. not the only one. You're excited about something new and forget that it might not be new to everyone else. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's what's yeah. funny, right? To them it was kinda like, Yeah, of course we know Stairway. Like yeah. but that yeah. like magic wasn't really there. Yeah. I mean mm-hmm. obviously at the time, you know, it had been around in their lives like for so long. You know, it didn't have that that sheen and sparkle to it anymore. Yeah. Whereas me as a ten year old, it was amazing. I'm like, there's none of this garbage on like <laughs> Radio Disney or whatever, right, right. whatever was on at the time. Yeah. You know, like it was pretty for me. It was pretty mind blowing um, that this all those elements could be in one song. Like that yeah, didn't almost yeah. it almost felt like not allowed. Yep. I almost got this. I, I remember thinking like they they crammed so many good things in one song like they're gonna run out they're gonna run out of stuff they put it all in one song like don't they know (laughs) yeah hold some in reserve i mean really you could have made it with some lyric adjustments maybe it could have been a couple of different songs um intentionally uh you know a slow slow, uh first part that was its own thing and uh, something else with the, the break is it in uh, Wayne's World where he's in the guitar store and starts to play it and like, gets yelled at and the guy points to the sign and it says no stairway or something like that? Yeah, yeah I think so. <laughs> no stairway. Denied. Yeah, it, it has become this thing that uh, sort of just in the air is great and assumed to be because everyone knows it. Even as long as it is. Like, how unusual is it too that uh, a song that long would have that that lasting power um, I, I want to keep talking about songs and maybe some of our favorite songs before we do that um, we'd love to pick two songs for our Spotify playlist uh, song, it's called Sound Logic Favorites uh, when we have a guest we'd love to have our guests pick those songs so, if, so Grady not to put you on the spot but if you could pick two two songs, two tracks from this album on that playlist either your favorite or ones you think best represent um what what two would you pick and feel free if you want to say what they are and then talk about why they're your favorite you you're welcome to do so okay um yeah that's that's a tough it's tough (laughs) tough. i know it's tough there's a few ways to think of it right if if it's sort of like a thought experiment of like okay think of like a time capsule Mm mm-hmm for some reason, there's only enough room in the data bank for two of the songs on Blood Zeppelin 4. What would I want, like, 
future generations to remember Led Zeppelin for. I would probably go Stairway and Levy. I mean, When the Levy Breaks is such an iconic song. Like, that drum tone alone. Um, I'm going to cry because you picked those two songs. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah. Those are the, like, Sorry, yeah, those are the time capsule, like these need to be preserved like they're just that good um and yeah i I think it you know for future like it doesn't have to be a student of music necessarily but even just casual enjoyers of music like these these are part of music history i think um pretty permanently at this point so yeah i think you could point to those two and say these are two samples uh, of what loads up one has to offer and if if someone's not like at least intrigued after those two yeah. <laughs> something's something's wrong with them because <laughs> yeah i mean you know even if even if you're someone who's like never been exposed to rock and roll or any uh, anything of the sort um you know you might recognize again like the kick in when the levee breaks and say wow that kind of sounds like an r&b kick or like an 808 drum which is like a more synthesis synthetic version of it it's like exactly Back in the day, they couldn't synthesize it. All right, they had to use. I mean, there's a echo effect. Um, yeah, but they still had to physically mic up a giant kick drum in a big empty house and get that sound somehow. You know, like even down to like the production level. Yeah, that stuff carries forward through time. Um, obviously, they evolve, but yeah, like you know, they they did a lot with those two songs. And you got your um, your money's worth, really. Uh, it's not often that we pick two songs and they get more than 15 minutes of, uh, of airplay here, <laughs> adding them to our playlist. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah if, if, if you're strictly economy, that's, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I, I want to I wanna follow that up. Uh, when the Levee Breaks is not only my favorite song on this album, but my favorite Zeppelin song. Mm. Uh, it is... To me, just tr- that drum beat is just wild. I think I don't know to to have a kit start a, any song, but a rock song uh, where most songs were guitar or piano. You have the odd song with a bass lick to start, but to start it with just the kit, um, very rare. I think I guess there there are a few. Probably there's people screaming at their at their headphones right now saying, ah, this song. but I mean, well, it, it's not it, a big that, roll or fill or simple crash. No, it's just, that's, no, it's what it's <laughs> that's actually what I was going to say. Right. I think you, I I know what you mean, right. There's, there's definitely songs, right. Where they, there's like a drum solo yeah. to open it up. Like, I don't know. One off the top of my head is like painkiller by Judas Priest. There's like just ripping crazy fast drum fill, which is yeah. or solo, which is super fun. And it sets the energy immediately this one it's like oppressive it's just it's just but it's not fast it's just saying hey like this is something you need to pay attention to yeah yeah that the snare you know very uh, slow almost half time on the snare it just it slows it right down and makes it very um methodical um, it, it's such a huge beat, like just a massive beat. And, and yes, that bass drum sound and they, 
and I think he was in the foyer of that um, of the house they were recording. Oh. This is all uh, echoey they, and yeah, yeah. Huh. yeah in uh, in Headley Grange, they, they they had some huge microphones, and then they had other microphones like on the stairs of the foyer to to pick this enormous pick up this yeah. enormous sound that he's producing on the drums and then of course it comes in with the wailing harmonica of Robert Plant on the harmonica uh, put through a delay so there's that, there's delay on it so you've got these effects so it's it sounds um, almost otherworldly it's just kind of spinning around and around in a circle and then the vocals come in, um, oh, it's just it, it's just it's an incredible song it's got such an amazing groove, and I think yes, it represents Zeppelin in this album very, very well. Um, and to this day, is one of my favorites. It's always um, one of our, our our good friend Steve Burkholder, who joined us for uh, Dark Side of the Moon, Pink Floyd. Uh, this is one of his favorite songs as well. And at, at his wedding, um, I was I went up. I think so. They had a DJ, and we were eating, and he was playing songs. And I think I went up to, like, pay him. <laughs> and uh, he was like, because uh, they're like, oh, here's the money for the DJ. you got to pay the DJ. So at some point I went up and gave him the envelope. And he said, uh, uh, do, do you have any requests? I was like, well, I don't know. He's like, is there a song that's uh, that's special to you and Steve? I was like, oh, well, it's, I don't, I don't know if it fits the setting. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, when the levy breaks, so I buy Led Zeppelin. And he was like. Yeah, I'll try to fit it in later on. <laughs> I was like, okay. And we were just about to clean up, and there was like some sort of pop or hip hop song, and he um, he actually sped up the drum beat and blended it into the previous song um, <laughs> that was playing, like a real DJ, like a true DJ, and and then slowed it down to the actual tempo. And I was like, like I think we had started cleaning up, and I was Steve was on the other side of the room. I was waving like. Hey, he's playing our song. <laughs> um, so I know that that's one of his favorites too. But yeah, it's um, I could just go on and on. But it's definitely my favorite. That's awesome. Ben, what about you? Do you have a? Uh, um, you said the set uh, side two yeah. is you like is a little more favorable to you than side one. Yeah, I think Misty Mountain Hop is my like you my favorite zeppelin song is on this album and it's misty mountain hop i'm pretty sure that was okay cool one of the early tracks on the mix cd that phil gave me um i'm not sure if it opens the album i wish i still had it kicking around somewhere so i could check but i remember being intrigued by the title and thinking like what a weird thing to call a rock and roll song and pressing play (laughs) and and sort of having that same sort of spellbinding experience of when the levee breaks like what is this like uh keyboard sound here and all of a sudden there's a drum beat that doesn't fit necessarily with how i think it is going to be and their vocals are a little bit wacky and how they kind of play with each other and uh yeah i don't know it just has a lot going on that 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 really uh drew me in early and and kept me there yeah Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, and the the phrasing the phrasing and the timing of, mm-hmm. of the the vocal line there, yeah. uh, doubling with the other instruments. Yeah, it's it's a, what a really cool track. Yeah, yeah. I, I should have 
I think I wanted to finish my thought, actually. I forgot to. Um, <laughs> I said there's two ways to think of this, right? Oh, yeah. There's the time, time capsule. capsule version, which is the two sort of best samples. But then there's also the just my f- personal pick, right? Just what would I want to listen to? Um, and, yeah, I think it's got to be um, probably Battle Forevermore and then Levy. Oh, if it's it just okay. my personal okay. two off the album. Well, we can go back and change that, um, yeah. Grady. Uh, most people, well, at least according to Spotify, 623 million people have listened to Stairway to Heaven, or at least that's how many times it's been played. Um, uh, so, yeah, it's, <laughs> like I said, it, it it's like six one half dozen the other. I mean, either either pair would be, would be excellent. Um, I'd be fine with it. Or all three, who knows, maybe get greedy. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I know that. That was the kind of direction I took. It was like yeah. this thought experiment, right? Of like, yep. this playlist is is all we get, right? This is the only sampling <laughs> of this album, yeah. which is I unrealistic, like of I course. Like that. Um, but yeah, because, but like you know, Stairway is all over the place, yep. right? You're gonna get exposed to it just, you know, on the radio or whatever. So, but Battle of Evermore is definitely. Um, like way less known um yeah not as much in the limelight at all but yeah i mean it's it's just one of my favorites of all time for sure so actually one thing i wanted to interrogate slightly so both of your favorite zeppelin songs come from this album yeah that's yeah that's pretty interesting actually because i would say my favorite zeppelin song is ebbed and flowed over the years mm-hmm naturally it makes sense and i'm totally prepared for it to change in the future <laughs> um but i think at the moment it's probably like a very it's almost a tie between whole lot of love and 10 years gone oh yeah 10 years gone it's like it's a little bit like stairway where i need to be in the mood to hear it and i need to like want to listen to it because it's not a background uh it's not a great listen to in the background song like it's a tearjerker almost (laughs) um yeah but it's it's a great song whole lot of love is is more like uh it it tickles my like metalhead uh sympathies (laughs) because i mean led zeppelin's also how i got into metal oh okay they were basically the progenitors of like heavy metal Uh hard rock sound uh at least one of them all right, Sabbath is in there too, of course. A few others, but I, I like. I'm gonna yeah, have to I steal mean, that word, progenitors. I don't think we've ever used that word on the Sound Logic podcast before, <laughs> but I like the the meaning behind that. Um, yeah, yeah. What I comes mean, next and... yeah, and I, I think with Zeppelin, you get this really cool cross section of the earliest blues influence yeah. that kind of gave birth to rock and roll. Um but then they kind of immediately turn it up another notch and begin the heavy metal like genre practically. Yep. I would argue that whole lot of love is like maybe the first heavy metal song. Like you have to check the Ooh. timeline maybe with some, with some <laughs> Sabbath, yeah. um, some early Sabbath stuff, but I mean, turn the BPM by like <laughs> up 20, 30 beat, beats per minute and that is a heavy metal riff yeah, yeah. It, or a, even like thrash metal riff like just turn it up faster um, and that's pretty much what what like Metallica Megadeth Slayer that's literally what they did they just took 
essentially Led Zeppelin riffs made it really, really fast. <laughs> and then that's thrash metal yep. and, and all that follows. So, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much my like music genealogy. It's like it starts with Zeppelin and then it just gets faster and faster and more distorted until you're like full-blown metalhead basically <laughs> it's so it's so interesting I, to talk uh, through some of this because i think we all have a sound in our head when someone says rock and roll we have a band sound that we immediately go to as our default and i think the more we've gone through this project the more inclined i am to think that something zeppelin-esque is what i think of if someone says rock and roll it's not the beatles they sound a little too early it's not the sort of more straight up four four blues inspired stones or the who i think i need something a little bit more crunching and with a little bit more energy um and i for some reason don't go beyond zeppelin to some of the things that came afterwards when i think of rock and roll too they all have their sort of subgenres that come next um i i don't know if if either of you have ever thought about that before about like <laughs> sort of stereotypical sounds but but for some reason they come to mind fairly frequently for me when when someone mentions this genre. Yeah. I've I've definitely had this debate before, right, about like the delineations between rock and roll, hard yeah. rock, heavy metal, yeah. metal, yeah. thrash metal, etc. It just keeps going because yeah. they uh, kind of you know kind of like I don't know evolution in the biological world, like. It, there is no missing link. Right. It all blends right. into one another. And the same right. band yeah. in the same album could switch switch genres. Yeah. And it's hard to point at Zeppelin and say, oh, Zeppelin is a blank band. Right. Like they do rock and roll. They do rock and roll. It's like, well, their song, rock and roll, is pretty rock and roll <laughs> Like, um, But then like Whole Lot of Love, it's so much more distorted. It's like, yeah. like you said, like crunchier, thicker. And it's and very bassy. Like the bass in that song is ridiculous. Um, they turned it up to like a pretty egregious level, probably for like nineteen uh, the nineteen sixties. So yeah, I, I'm again like a, a lot of what they were experimenting with got refined, and that's kind of like in my mind the transition from rock to metal is taking the elements of rock and literally refining it into metal, like purifying what makes rock rock into like a distilled form which is yeah that's the distortion it's higher tempo yeah. right and so on and so forth um more shredding of the guitar and such yep. um but yeah i mean zeppelin started so many of those trends or if not started like popularized maybe because i know sabbath still had a lot of stigma attached to it right yeah um for those times i mean black sabbath right it's not kosher or anything <laughs> so but led zeppelin you might be able to sneak past your parents right, i guess right. uh because they're like yeah oh, that, that just sounds like a some sort of uh aeronautical vehicle i don't know what that is so <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know yeah um maybe it's under the same category as yellow submarine which is pretty innocuous yep. Yep. so whatever right even though that's also about you know drugs and all that fun <laughs> right. so right. um yeah i mean I know that that's my direct, like, I can trace. It goes back to my neighbor, Josh, like, huge shout out. Because as soon as he, as soon as we connected over Zeppelin, he's like, oh, well, like, here's Metallica. Here's Iron Maiden. Here's Megadeth. And I just, it was like, 
it's like the analogy of like the drugs getting harder. <laughs> like, and I'm like, oh my god, this is great. And of course, I was getting like a little older and able to accept music like that yeah. a little more easily. So, yeah, like that's. But you know, not, it's not just the my personal preference. Like that's also like the actual musical lineage. Like the members of Metallica also grew up with Led Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. You know, you mm-hmm. they say it's one of their influences and. It'd be hard pressed to find a, um, like a metal or even modern rock musician who isn't influenced somehow by Zeppelin. Like, no, you'd be hard pressed to find somebody that is completely never been exposed, right? I just think that kind of gives a hint to the, uh, right? Is it sound logic? Mm, (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. I'm still a little dubious on uh, (laughs) that double digit number. Yeah, I Yeah, I guess we could do you want to skip to that now? Um we don't have to. I was mostly just teasing it, but <laughs> No, I like oh, I like it. Um but I guess I guess we could start to move to Is there any other general comments guys before we start to move to some of our closing segments? We could go on and on and on forever, but I know. want to try and make it make it make the this episode somewhat palatable um <laughs> in terms of t- length. Um I think you touched a bit on the relevancy there, Grady. Um, I think that certainly in the in the metal and hard rock uh, circles, this has been relevant for years, and I think continues to be. If you're if you're a guitar player, um, you're learning some of the. I mean, Stairway to Heaven. I mean, probably any guitar teacher at some point is teaching their student because it's so well known. It's a very. It's a simple. It's a simple yeah. starting riff, very simple picking. You're uh, probably going to start with either Zeppelin, Deep Purple, or Sabbath. Yep. yep. Right. Because they're all a little more basic yep. to pick up. Tempo is usually a little slower, so you can, I guess, learn it easier. I'm not a guitarist, but I'm assuming, <laughs> right, like Smoke on the Water is probably easier to play than oh. like uh, something faster, <laughs> I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Add in, uh, you know, a little more modern, probably uh, Seven Nation Army. You know, something really, <laughs> something really easy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but but yeah, I think I think it's all still relevant from a guitar perspective, from uh, from a drum perspective, uh, music. Uh, you know, the the rock and hard rock genre in general. Um, yeah, to- to- totally. And and young people, and I say young people like in their teens and early twenties, they're into hard rock and classic rock. They're into Zeppelin and ACDC and that stuff. That's, that's not obscure. I I don't think so. People, you know, yeah, I don't, it's not obscure to, um, to young people. That's actually interesting. It's an interesting observation because I actually think, um, my age group that grew up with the Walkman and such, are probably less exposed to Zeppelin and, and the like. I would agree um, with you. Because yep. you would have to get it on physical media, yes. which not everyone would be interested in doing in the first place. Um, but yeah, I think with the, especially in the era of YouTube, right, post 2006, it's so easy to find all of these guys, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, super easy. Where, you know, I was, I was well on my way to being addicted to Zeppelin by the time YouTube came around. So, um, yeah, I would say, you know, <laughs> what I call myself lucky, yeah, maybe. I mean, obviously one of my parents was a huge fan, so I was encouraged to listen to it. Uh, so, yeah, but I don't think 
yeah, I think there's definitely kind of a gap generation there. Not quite the internet, um, but not quite iPod era either. Like, but yeah, I think nowadays, yeah, um, yeah, younger people are more hip to the old stuff, which is kind of cool. <laughs> Absolutely, I, I think you're right. There's a gap there where it's it's out of popularity. It's not the new, you know, it's not. It's not 80s music. It's not 90s pop music. So you're not going to spend the money to buy an album to sample the music. And that's where the, the once we get into, you know, streaming and Napster and then mm-hmm. iTunes, you can sample whatever you want. You couple songs, you like it, you just, you just play more. It's all free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it opens that world up to, to trying things that you wouldn't have done in the 80s and 90s because you're not going to spend 20 bucks on a band you've never heard of. Mm-hmm. Here's the uh, other interesting uh, side effect that I, I've also noticed, right? And I know you two are both like big proponents of kind of listening through an album. And not mm-hmm. just singles or, you know, God forbid, a compilation <laughs> album. <laughs> just um, but I mean, but nowadays it's so easy to make a playlist. Yeah. Right. Oh, so, yeah. so easy. And why wouldn't you uh, just put your favorites on it? Right. Yep. But yeah, I, I think I'm also simultaneously in this like kind of maybe like the last possible age group where I, I do prefer listening to full albums mm. because that's how I grew up listening to music. Mm-hmm. I had a Walkman. You yeah. just hit play and it just goes. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I think you might have been able to fast forward, but that was cumbersome. Like, you have to hold the button yeah. down for, like, a <laughs> few seconds. It's just, like, just listen to it. You know, yeah. who cares? Yeah. So, uh, even if it's not your favorite. So, you know, I also was raised in that era of, I've just listened to the whole album and just yep. hit repeat. If I wanted to hear a song, if it's the fourth song, and if I want to listen to Stairway, well, I'm going to listen to, you know, Black Dog and yeah. then Rock and Roll yeah. and then Battle of Elmer and then Stairway will come on. Yeah. Yeah. Then I'll be able to really listen to it. And I think that's how, like, it, it's so much easier to get it, like, hooked on this on songs you might not have otherwise listened to, like, yeah. like Battle of Evermore. Yeah, I think there is still some appetite for the albums because vinyl is having another resurgence again. Um, and I wonder if it is because... You can make, you don't even have to make a playlist, right? Like as soon as I pick a track on Spotify, it will just start feeding me music. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. I think there is a bit more intentionality when you pick something off the shelf, take it out of its case and put it on and whatever medium that is, even a cassette, which apparently are also making a bit of a comeback these days. Um, uh, wow. You know, the, the, the album's not dead, but I think a lot of the people consuming music that way are going back in time to get the classic albums. Um, you know, there are a few artists that are still putting out, um, you know, albums on, on vinyl. Um, there's a right. bit of a controversy yeah. right now that Adele, I think, uh, I think it was Adele or maybe Taylor Swift. One of them ordered like some ob- obscene amount of vinyl uh, in their, in their new release that's coming out or just came out and it's tying up most of the vinyl industry right now. And so there's going to be this oh. like shortage of supply wow. coming because they're all printing Adele's music. Um, half a million copies or something on vinyl. Um, but, uh, funny to think about, but yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think there's a, it's so interesting that an album from, um, you know, that is 50 years old this year. Right. Uh, 
is still yes. being trying yes. to be replicated. Like uh, Mike, you introduced me to. Um, uh, oh, now I'm blanking on their name, but this band that's that's brand new, essentially, oh, right? Who uh, sound? You got to be talking about, about Greta Van, Greta Van Fleet. Greta Van Fleet. Um, yep. who, yeah. Who's uh, essentially are playing Zeppelin or trying to imitate Zeppelin, um, whether or not they say that publicly. Uh, they're still this sound still sounds good to a lot of people. <laughs> um, yeah. Yep. No, that's a good point. Um, yeah, I think you're fairly unanimous there. Um, anything else on the relevancy part, guys, before we move on? Uh, just to say that Bonham's drumming may never go out of style. Like, uh, you know, there's there's been rumors throughout the years that they, the reason that they've never really reunited for... Um, you know, major reunion tours is that no one can actually physically play his drumming. <laughs> yeah, they're just not capable. Right. Mm. And uh, many people have tried and it's just not possible uh, without a bunch of additional help or support. Um, and I think that that, you know, that kind of genius reminds me of, of Hendrix's genius on the guitar. Like even if the sound of this music isn't really being listened to anymore, we're still going to hold this up as like something exemplary, something of musical genius that should be strived for, for any drummer out there. Um, regardless of whether or not the Zeppelin sound kind of fades, we'll still be pointing back to his style and saying, this is relevant because of how amazing it is. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like one thing about Zeppelin sound that, um, gives a hint to other bands that have kind of copied it or been influenced by it, right? Is the, the kind of synchronization of the guitar notes and the drum hits. Um, that is like a very Zeppelin thing. And just listen to Black Dog. All right. All yeah, the drum fills yeah. kind of follow or mimic the guitar, like transitions or riffs or whatever. Yep. Like, And they do this a lot in their songs. And that getting a, the guitar player and the drummer <laughs> to play the same thing yeah. is like yeah. so difficult. Like you really do yeah. need to master craft. Like it's just, yeah. you have to. Yeah. Very, very rare, very uncommon. Yeah. Does, does the kick drum in that song mimic the lead guitar line? Not just the kick. I mean, it's just playing. It could be like, you know, kick snare cymbal or something, and but those same three notes will be played by Jimmy, right? Yeah. On like as a part of the riff. Um, yeah. If you kind of pay, if you like kind of listen for it, you'll definitely hear it um, yeah. for sure. Um, but yeah, it it's a there's a lot of Zeppelin tunes that where uh, yeah Bonham and and Jimmy Page are, are right in sync, and that that makes their music like punch you in the face oh yeah that's right? so different it's, all, so it's one just fist of sound all at once <laughs> <laughs> absolutely um so you teased it earlier grady uh we always ask the question was this was the position the ranking sound logic number 58 it was 69 on the 2012 list bumped up 11 spots to 58 um We've all kind of hinted at our response to this. Um, Grady, do you want to go first on this one? Would you assign it? What, what new ranking would you assign it? <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, so I was just going to mention, right, I would have to kind of 
maybe take a more educated look at the whole list. What, you know, I'm not familiar with their ranking criteria. Like, I, I get that influence is one kind of general, maybe popularity or something like that. It's probably important. But I, I would argue that for the influence alone and the influence, yeah, it's influencing genres like metal and heavy metal, thrash metal, speed metal, whatever, which are not mainstream. Okay, just they're not. And so Rolling Stones may not care that Zeppelin influenced an entire family tree of subgenres. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and okay, sure, you know, they're not commercially as successful. So maybe it's not, they don't consider it as influential, but I mean, that seems like a little bit obscuring the reality that they absolutely were monumentally influential. And this album, it'd be hard to say, again, there's like the internal within the Zeppelin albums, like what's the most influential? It's like, who knows? <laughs> that's yeah. that's almost a harder question. Um, but yeah, I would, I would put it a little higher. Uh, I don't know where exactly. Um, but I guess if I were, if I had a, a vote, I'd put it a, a few, <laughs> maybe 50 spots higher. <laughs> 50, top 10. Um, yeah, I, I, I share that sentiment. I definitely think uh, there's so many legendary, th- like Stairway to Heaven, number one. Um, the album as a whole, number two, the, the success of it uh, and the, the longevity in terms of the sales, um, just crazy and much we just recently uh, re-released our review on Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon and I can't understand why that album is so low on this list and why this one was so low on the previous list and still is in my mind quite low for what it is and how successful it's been and how influential it's been on the whole as you said totally agree with you a family tree of genres um, that, that came from it uh I would put it easily top thirty. Um, it's it's legendary. There's other there's many things ahead of this as it stands right now that are much more obscure uh, than this album, which is not obscure at all. Not today. Not with 37 million copies spread out across the world. So um, yeah, I don't I don't get I don't get why it's quite so low. Yeah, uh, I think it needs to be higher. Ben. Um, I don't have anything to add. I agree with you both. I'm not sure that I'd put it all the way up in the top 10, um, but it's definitely going to be one I consider for my own personal top 10 when we do a re-ranking of that. And, uh, oh, yeah. And, yeah, I'm a bit surprised to find it here. I mean, I know in general uh, <laughs> American and British rockers have not fared well with this 2020 list. Um, this one actually gained mm. a few spots. Mm-hmm. I think. We'll, yeah, that's interesting we'll get, too. Right? We'll get there in a bit, mm-hmm. um, but it's now the the highest ranking Zeppelin album, and I think that's correct right. in my head. Um, yes, that makes more sense to but, me. But uh, but yeah, I, I'm I'm a little perplexed that it's just barely hanging on below, uh, um, in the top sixty. So um, yeah, it, I'm yeah. <laughs> I, I think it should be higher at least one and probably many at least one at least one higher um, yeah and, and and the last thing we'll touch on before we wrap up here uh, 
there are more Zeppelin albums on this list. We talked about uh, their debut, self-titled Zeppelin or Zeppelin One, uh, was twenty-nine, and it drop, drops way down to one hundred and one. Yeah, but that's the next one wow. uh, on the list. Yeah, they they all, with the exception of of this album, Zeppelin Four, they all dropped. So uh, Zeppelin One went from twenty-nine to one hundred and one. Zeppelin 2 went from 79 to 123. Physical Graffiti went from 73 to 144. And Houses of the Holy went from 148 to 278. So over 100 there. And and those are the only Zeppelin albums that are on this list and that have ever been on this list. So Zeppelin 3, uh, Never On, and what are we missing? In Through the Outdoor? Um I guess that's it, right? So, so four more chances to talk. Well, I guess we've already done one of them yeah. on the previous list, but three more new ones. I do like that they've spaced them out a little bit for us here because they're, had we stuck with the 2012 list, we were going to get this flurry uh, 69, 70, not, right. 73, and 79. We were going to get three albums within um, you know, 10. 10. Yeah. Uh, it yeah. would have been a lot in a short period of time, which would have been lovely, but then we would have been done with most of them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, now, <laughs> right. they're, now they're spaced out a little bit more for us. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> um, that, that's nice that we, yeah, every, every once in a while we get our, we get our, we get to um, get the let out, as they <laughs> that's say. Right. Uh, yeah. What? Oh. Have you guys seen School of Rock with Jack Black? Oh, it's been years. Absolutely, yeah. When uh, that was one of my favorites growing up. Oh man, he was uh, uh, asking them what bands they listen to. What they, uh, Motorhead? You guys never get the let out. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Anyways, we want to thank you uh, so much, Grady, for joining us. It's been great to hear your your thoughts and your memories. Um, we love having having guests on to share their personal interactions uh, on how they got into this music. So uh, thank you once again for joining us. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a blast. I'll have to take a peek at the list and see if there's any upcoming albums that I uh, absolutely have, have ex- maybe maybe even haven't been exposed to. Maybe it will be fun <laughs> to do a brand new one. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Our, our friend Brad, who did the essays for all of the 2012 list uh, albums, at the RS 500 project would often shoulder tap a friend to write about something they'd never heard before. I think that would be an interesting journey to, to bring in a guest who is brand new to something like we often are. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm constantly getting, uh, I don't know. I'm kind of, I push the boundaries here and there, different, different genres and, I'm I'm young enough where I can still expand my collection, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> For sure. Oh. I hope we all are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Even when I'm old. Um Well, that's it for this week. Uh thanks again for joining us. Uh Ben, will you tell us what we have coming up next time? Yeah, um we get to hang out with one of my favorites, uh favorite artists and we're going to be tackling Talking Book at number 59, an album by Stevie Wonder. I think that's the third of his albums that we'll, um, that we'll get to. And I think the first two wound up in my personal top 10. So I don't know. It's going to get crowded if I have to add a Zeppelin album and another Stevie Wonder album. But, but we'll see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be fun. Um, once again, thank you, Grady. Of course, thank you, Ben. 
thank you at home for listening. We hope you continue to be well. We hope you take care of yourselves and those around you. And of course, we hope you'll join us next time right here on the SoundLogic Podcast. Take care, everyone. If you like what you hear, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and write a review. Send us a message at our Facebook page, on Instagram, or through our SoundLogic Podcast Twitter feed. Thanks for listening. I got to add one more thing that I just remembered. Do now. it. Um, while I was listening to this album this week on Spotify, uh, a, I think it was a GMC truck ad came on uh, using rock and roll as the soundtrack for the, for the commercial. And it interrupted yeah. the album with yeah. a, a commercial featuring one of the songs on the album. <laughs> I actually, I remember seeing that like, years ago on like an, it was like during a football game or something <laughs> so i think they've been using that same uh license for a while well i heard something you know what i just remember something i heard something uh about cadillac and i'm just oh. reading here something about that they they made a deal that like cadillac wanted to use rock and roll and they made some sort of deal that that was the only song they could use for their ads <laughs> for like a certain period. I'm just reading here. Um, uh, in 2001, rock and roll became the first Led Zeppelin song to be licensed for commercial use um, when Cadillac used it in advertising. Okay. Uh, as well as learning earning Led Zeppelin a large licensing fee, the advertising campaign increased Cadillac sales by 16%. <laughs> Wow, but but I read something or I heard something years like years ago that there was some sort of massive deal, and sure enough, for years, as soon as someone told me that, for years, every Cadillac ad I ever saw had rock and roll in it, <laughs> and it's funny that they're still used in in GMC. That's um, wow. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, I've I've definitely seen those commercials before. Yeah, maybe for people sure. just they're like, you know what? Maybe it's not the truck, but that song. <laughs> Played yeah, I want it in now. the truck will make me look so cool. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Cool. 100%. All right, now we can stop. Thanks, guys. Now we can.